0: afternoon, post-meridian, <laughs> that's a gift from listen to J. Black lyrics, go to the book of Exodus chapter 19, in the daytime and the new time, post <laughs> do you remember that? One? <laughs> release the J. Black Greatest Hits album. <laughs> greatest hit. Exodus 19. We're going to start at verse 3. Let me get there.
1: Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, please let us hear you and hear your words, God. To focus on them to meditate on them to let them sink deep within us. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're picking up Exodus 19. Well, I guess I can give y'all the same courtesy as the previous group. As we know, you were supposed to be transitioning into our um, going through the whole Bible pretty soon. And what I was thinking is, and I really wanted to kick it off with everybody being here, especially once we go back to Genesis, because that's one that Creates a lot of questions and you have some good discussions off those chapters, especially from the first 11 chapters. So I wanted to wait till everybody get here. But until then, I've thought about, as the old church folks said, popped into my spirit. <laughs> we can start walking line by line through the book of Proverbs first. And we can start through Proverbs and walk through that. Well, really Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, because them two go hand in hand in my mind. And we can start there sometimes in May. And by the time we walk through them, it'll be time for everybody to get back together. Then we can start from Moses. What y'all think about
0: that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's what we prepare to take off through Proverbs sometime next month
1: then. And we'll walk line by line through that whole book and Ecclesiastes. And I think we can. That might take us long enough to where we all be back together by then and we can start with moses and walk through the whole thing all right exodus chapter 19 starting in verse 3 says and moses went up to god and the lord called to him from the mountain saying thus you shall say to the house of jacob and tell the children of israel if you have seen what i did to the egyptians and how i bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself now therefore If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day and do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord. And many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mountain, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get deep, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spake to them. I'm going to pause right there. Like I said, it's tempting to keep going. Next week we'll read the rest of it. So we got this scene. We continue to pick up the rest of the book of God consecrating, not connecting the people of God and separating them as the nation of God. And this is their commission to be God's people. We talked about the descriptors that he gave them of being a special treasure, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And we go on with the rest of the scene. And as we see the rest of the scene, God in the commissioning of his people had a desire that God himself speak to the people. So it was important in the mind of God that the people hear his voice. And so he set up this whole thing to have a special visitation for these people so that they can hear him and they can hear him speak directly to them. That was important to God. And God wanted his people to hear his voice as a part of their commissioning as the people, God. We're going to pick up on that theme later. But notice what God had to do. In order for the people to be there. He had he set some preparations for them. Which shows you that. In order for this encounter to take place. Something about the people. Had to change. In order for them to have this encounter with God. Because he gave Moses. Three basic rules for them. He told to get the people ready. Be ready for the third day. And on the third day. God is going to visit you. Three things he wanted them to do. He said sanctify the people. Let them wash their clothes. And he told them to set bounds around the mountains. So they need to be sanctified. They need to wash. And they need to have boundaries set up. So all of these things was necessary in order for this encounter to take place. And the way God set the picture up is that this was something so severe that being common, you couldn't enter into it. And even right before it got, right before the day, Moses said, hey, sanctify yourselves. Wash your clothes. And he even put, don't even come to your wives. I beg like, husband and wife, don't y'all even get together the night before. Nothing unclean, nothing common. We want everybody to be washed, to be clean, and to be sanctified for this picture to take place. So the question I ask him, who did God give the command to? I
0: ask is, who did God give the command to to sanctify the people? Look at who, who he told to sanctify. He told Moses, told Moses to sanctify the people. So the word of sanctification came to Moses, but it was a command for the people. So what did the people have to do to be sanctified? Huh? Say it again. Don't be afraid. Whatever Moses told
1: them to do. Because God ain't giving them no orders. He told Moses to sanctify the people. So in order for the people to be sanctified. All they had to do was. Do what Moses told them to do. Because the commission for the sanctification of the people. Was given to Moses. And the sanctification was necessary. For them to have this encounter with God. So most of the responsibility. Fell upon Moses. And all the people had to do was hear and understand Moses. And do what Moses told them to do. And they would have been ready. For the day of visitation. So now when we turn and we translate this picture to the church,
0: we're supposed to be holy. But who did God tell to sanctify the people? Who's supposed to sanctify us? Yeah, us. God told Moses to sanctify them. You sure? Yeah. Who? Jesus.
1: Yeah, Jesus. Jesus is our sanctifier. He the one that makes us right. So the command comes to Jesus, and Jesus do a work in us. So in order for us to reach this level of sanctification, what we need to do? Do whatever Jesus say do. So we get there the same way they got there. Listening. They had to listen to Moses. We need to listen to Jesus because the command came from God to Jesus and Jesus translated it to us. The Command came from God to Moses and Moses translated it to the people. So long as the people did what Moses said, the people were ready for an encounter with God. And all that God had for them, they were ready to walk in it and be a part of it. All they had to do was listen to Moses. But in this warning of listening to Moses, in these three things, he set some stuff up. And he gave warning to them. That this encounter that's about to take place, you cannot be coming, sanctify yourselves, wash yourselves, and set up a bounds. Because he said, if anybody come near the mountain, the place where God was going to be, and touch it, they're going to die. And the the picture I always have to pause when I I get there. He ain't even say, y'all snatch them up and kill them. Like, if they touch the mountain, you don't touch them. Make sure that you don't touch them. But you kill them. How?
0: Shoot them. <laughs> That's what he told them to do. Now, if anybody touched the mountain,
1: shoot them. That's a pretty, that, that don't sound like no, no, no fun little picture. Sanctify yourselves. Wash yourselves. And make sure don't nobody come to this mountain. If anybody come to a mountain, I don't care if it's an animal wander over there, shoot them. And this is the scene that they have a part of their commissioning because the voice of God, the presence of God is about to be in their midst in a way that they never seen before. So God set up these rules and these parameters for the people. Be sanctified, be washed, and make sure don't nobody transgress against my presence. It was just a rock, y'all. Yeah? But you would die if you touched it. To the point where God said shoot him. You don't know, never read in the Bible God told him about
0: to shoot nobody. That what he told him. Shoot him. Now flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And we'll see the writer of the Hebrews picked up
1: on this same scene. But he translated it to us. translates it
0: to us. Hebrews 12, we'll start at verse 12. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 12. And what we're picking up at in Hebrews
1: is we're coming off chapter 11, which is the chapter of of the hall of faith, as some of the folks term it. We talk about all the people who did all these great things because they believe in God. And he opens up in chapter twelve, said, Therefore, sin, we are compassed about with such great cloud of witness. Let us lay aside sin that don't be easily beset us, and all that type of stuff. So he's talking about y'all need to consecrate yourselves, get rid of sin, make sure you run this race, stay focused on Jesus because of the great cloud of witnesses we got. And I always have to correct this when I get there. A lot of people think when they read this great cloud of witnesses, they get the picture that we as an arena, and you got this great host of heaven. Staring down over the balcony of heaven watching us. And they cheering us on. They're like DNA, DNA, DNA. And they like, yo, yo, y'all get it. You know what I'm saying? That's my point. See, I, oh, man, I got money on jazz rail. and Go, go, go. That's the scene that most people get when they think about it. a great cloud of witnesses. They think that the people up there in heaven is just staring down us and they watching us live this life. And they getting excited. That's not what he means. What he's talking about is more, I take the picture of like a hall of fame. That you got all of these things that bear testimony to the greatness that can be accomplished through faith. So as you look through the annals of history and you see this great cloud of witnesses, all these people that can bear testimony to what's going on, to the things that can be accomplished to main and true and staying faithful and not turning back. We need to push forward even more. That's what he getting through. So you don't got to get nervous and be like, man, Elijah up there watching me. So when I prophesy, I got to make sure I get it right cuz I don't want Elijah to go on heaven's take and be debating about what how I prophesy. <laughs> now, nah, we got all these people that show us what can be accomplished. So since we got all that, we need to run this race and make sure that we abstain from all these fleshly things and lay aside every sin that don't easily beset us. So we transition and that's what he's coming off of. And we pick up in the middle of his argument in verse 12, I mean, chapter 12, verse 12 it said, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that, <clears throat> so that what is lame may be dislocated, may not be dislocated, but rather heal. Pursue peace with all men. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest any man fall short of the grace of God; lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. In any fornicator or profane person, like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burn with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that it should not be spoken to them any more, For they could not endure what was commanded and if so much as the beast touched the mountain it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said I am exceedingly afraid and tremble. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to the God to God the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, with Paul's red right there. So this is the picture that he's painting. And so he's showing a contrast by uniting our experiences what they what they'd experienced at that mountain so it's saying we're not coming to a rock in the middle of the desert but we're coming to a heavenly place we're not coming to clouds and thunderings and all that, but we're coming into the presence of God, a new Jerusalem. It's not a company of slaves coming out of Egypt, but now it's a company of men who've been made perfect by God. We come into the general assembly of all that God has together, all the crown of creation, all the work of God in this redeeming and sanctifying people. We have now been assembled as a part of that people. We ain't just a bunch of slaves around the rock. And so what he's trying to demonstrate is what we are becoming a part of is greater than what they experienced there at, at Mount Sinai. That the company that we are now a part of is greater than the company that they are they're a part of. That the voice speaking to us now is greater than the voice speaking to them. And so he's making in this contrast. But this contrast has come, he gives us a couple warnings before he get there. He said, therefore, we need to strengthen the weak hands. And we need to make sure that the feeble things are made well so that nothing can be dislocated. Now, if you're just reading that, tracking off chapter 12, and it talks about resisting against sin. it's talking about receiving the, ch- the chastisement of the Lord. And we can take that, and it seems very personal. So if you read it offhand, it said, we need to make sure that we're strong so anything weak in my life, I need to strengthen. And all my feeble knees, I need to make sure they're straight. My path, I need to make sure I'm walking and doing straight. So that what is lame may not be dislocated. So that the stuff in me that ain't right, the stuff in me that don't operate right, it don't fall off, it don't go astray, it don't lead me astray, but rather it can be healed. So I need to make sure all these messed up things about me and I bring them up and I make sure that they get right so that they don't be healed. Then in 14, he he, he keeps going. He said, pursue peace with all men. So follow peace with everybody and pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So now we're starting to see sort of the connection with Exodus chapter 19 in this one. Because what did the people have to do to be ready for that day? Sanctify themselves, wash themselves, and make sure they don't transgress the presence of God. And now he's saying that we need to make sure that there's peace amongst us and make sure everybody's holy. Because if you ain't holy, you don't see God. So the idea that you can be unholy and enter the presence of God, that's a misnomer. You cannot be. Holiness is required to see the presence of God but then he go on. He said 15 looking carefully lest least any fall short of the grace of God. Now what are we
0: looking at? Follow peace. Make sure you holy and you do this looking diligently. What are
1: we looking at? He said looking to make sure nobody falls short of the grace of God. So now he's taking this looking from, I'm making sure I, what's weak in me, making sure what's feeble in me, and now he's expanding this thing out to that we need to pay attention to the assembly to make sure that nobody in the assembly falls short of the grace of God. So he's taking this idea of this great cloud of witnesses and us being a part of this general assembly, and he's saying since we are a part of this assembly, we have a responsibility in this assembly to make sure none of us miss this experience. And if we think back to what was going on in Exodus chapter 19, do you think Moses built the fence by himself? Now, we were going up to God. God like, hey, Moses, make sure. Don't nobody come up this mountain. He said it. God said it about two, three times. And Moses was like, God, what you tripping for? You already told us to build a fence. He said, Moses, make sure. Don't nobody come up this mountain. So there was a responsibility on Moses, which extended to the people. Because I don't think Moses was out there just nailing by himself. And it was an assembly that built something to keep everybody else safe and from transgressing against the presence of God. So there was a communal aspect. The people need to watch. The people need to be sanctified. And the people need to make sure that don't nobody come.
0: To the point where he said, even the beast. You think Moses went down there talking to the cows? and be like, hey, y'all. I don't
1: need no cows walking up to this mountain today. Now we're going to let y'all out. But y'all better not go to the... I don't think Moses had that conversation. I don't think Moses was going around to every little kid to say, hey, y'all make sure y'all don't run up to that mouth. Now it's going to be some special light show today. And God's going to do amazing things. Do not get curious and touch it. But the assembly bared the responsibility because there was thousands and thousands of people out there. And he's picking up on this same thing. Since we are part of this assembly, he said we need to look diligently. So it needs to be a part of our outlook as the church of God to make sure that we are on our P's and Q's, watching out for one another. Least anybody falls short of the grace of God. And he put diligence in it. And like I said, I let the theologians wrestle with that when they're talking about least anybody falls short of the grace of God. I like Grace is supposed to be irresistible and all that stuff. How are you gonna fall short of? It? That's a whole nother conversation. And he gives another warning. And what we're looking for, you don't want anybody to fall short of the grace of God, least. That's for fear of. So we we looking, we paying attention that no root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. And it shows us the full extension of this. So we're looking and we're paying attention that no root of bitterness comes up in our midst, in the midst of this congregation. Because if it comes up, many shall be defiled. So he has an a, a idea that it's possible for one of us to get a root of bitterness that will disrupt all of us. And he said, we need to pay attention in making sure that this root of evil, this root of badness, this root of bitterness does not infect all of us. And he used the, the gardening motif or the gardening theme to paint the picture. It's like, it's so a weed popping up in the middle midst of the grass. Now I got remember um uh, we was stand on what with that bond field over there on in what's the name of the name? Hunter Station. It's the dudes that stay around there.
0: Dude had the most green grass I have ever seen. Year round. On it. The greenest grass I have ever seen.
1: And you cannot find one piece of weed in this dude's grass. But I completely understand how he does it. He ain't paying all that money. He ain't got them Kim folks out there with the the green stuff. You can catch this dude out in his yard, on his hands and his knees, plucking up weeds. And you see him out there. Oh, oh man, he, he, he down on his hand and he's by hand plucking these things up. He got there making sure he trimmed and making sure he keep all this stuff together. And this is something that he does. So his lawn stay green because he looked diligently towards his lawn. He walk it. He inspect every piece of it. And he's willing to get out on his hands and his knees to pluck up anything that is not a part of what he planted. And that's the picture that he's given here. That you need to look diligently lest least any root of bitterness comes up. So anything that, that can spring up, that, that, that can destroy the life of the assembly, that can infect everything that is going on, it needs to be plucked up. But whose job is it to make sure that it's not there? Ours. Because we are a part of an assembly. We are a part of group, of group, a nation of people, and it's our job to keep and protect one another. And that's what he's saying. We need to look diligently. Least any root of bitterness comes in, and it springs up,
0: and it defiles many. So if you see in my wife that she didn't just got frustrated with, with
1: zinc, and it's just over with, and you notice that every time he say something, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you see that. You know that, okay? Some something ain't quite right, though.
1: Something some ain't right. What you cannot do is say where that they it? I ain't gonna get all involved in that because if she grow bitter, if the writer of the Hebrews know what he's talking about, it has the ability to infect all of us. And so we need to be on our P's and Q's and looking diligent and to make sure there ain't no bitterness in there. But this also takes to a point where we need to be some humble
0: people and we need to be some bold people. Humble because if I'm going to be
1: inspecting and watching, the only way it works is if I'm open to correction.
0: If we have a relationship for enough, you can say, "Well, Jake, and talking about, hey, bro, what you did?" I'd be like, "Hey, man, I missed all the way up." Well, he said, like, "Man, you need to fix it." <laughs> well, I don't be saying like, "Hey, bro, you need to stay where you at <laughs> and let me handle what I got going on over here." <laughs>
1: Because if ever that's in me do that sound like the spirit of the lord to you because the spirit of the lord we we, we patient we kind and we humble people so if he come to me and he say hey bro you need to take care of that and I broke up at him he's like hold on bro one you, you ain't got no right to be talking around here that shows me that I'm not a part of the assembly
0: that it might be something in me that's not quite right because a wise man hears rebuke.
1: A humble man has the ability to be addressed, but it also takes some boldness. Because one of the hardest things to do out in public
0: is tell somebody they got a book in their nose. That's hard to do. And you can just be sitting there staring at somebody
1: talking. That thing'll be dust swaying. <laughs> <laughs> and you zoned out on the conversation. You just see it down. like, man, I know they feel that book like, it's that It be
0: too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying you in the midst, yeah. You start rubbing your
1: own nose. <laughs> Cause the hardest thing to do is just oh, excuse me. You got a little something wrapped right <laughs> up. Everybody ain't comfortable to be able to do that. And so it, it takes some boldness to live and to operate like this. And I have to give the warning. Boldness and brashness are not the same thing. Brashness. The point where I'm going to tell you what I think and what I feel and I don't care nothing about how you feel about it.
0: That's not boldness. That's rude. So if I just come up, your feet stink. Ain't
1: nobody else going to tell you. But I I just had to tell you, your feet stink. (laughs) You don't need to take shoes off at church no more.
0: (laughs) That's a bit brash. (laughs) right That ain't what the type of people we're supposed to be.
1: Because he couched it with least. Like, it's out of fear. You're concerned that this root of bitterness might spring up and and it, it can trouble many. So the way that we go at this heart is with a heart of protection and with a heart of making sure don't nobody fall short of the grace of God and like I said that's a danger that we have in the church like we got some bold people in the church that willing to go out and say and do anything but most of the time I know bold people are mean people and they be like man I just have to tell them saying people, people, people don't like me because cause
0: I, cause I speak the truth no they don't like you because you mean that's why people don't like you you just rude, dude. <laughs> but we have to be willing to address
1: things with one another and deal with it because we got to look diligently. We got to watch out for who? Everybody. Then he add another one, it said, At least there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So we need to pay attention that there is no profane person among us. And why in the world you have to use
0: Esau? Because when you think about Esau, do you think about a fornicator? No, you don't. Actually, you sort of feel sorry for Esau a little bit. Like he got duped by his brother twice.
1: Brother born a twin, but he come out
0: red and hairy. Like Esau got the short end of the stick. So you feel sorry for him, but the writer of Hebrews
1: referred to him as a fornicator and profane person. And he diving at the heart of Esau's actions. What he's saying is Esau allowed desire to drive his decision. And he was willing to give up that was precious just to satisfy
0: a desire. And that was the sin of Esau. That he was in a moment of weakness
1: and he was driven by that weakness and allowed his desire to dictate the rest of his destiny to the point where he was willing to give up that was precious because he could not see beyond the present desire and he's like what you need to do is make sure there are no esau's among you and this goes to being willing to question one another and to the point being willing to investigate the motives of one
0: another that you should be able to ask the question why are you doing what you're doing right what's up everything all right like why you do that and if somebody can come back with the only
1: reason they got is is these carnal lustings and longings that we can deal with that because those are the profane people those who are driven by their own lusts and their desires and that we can deal with those people and we can address those things, but these are the things that we are looking out for
0: in the midst of our assembly, and that goes to the heads of the assembly. I'm saying, if, if you if if it ever be said that man, and you get to watching and you're like, man, Zink, he, he ain't around
1: no more. Like what up, and man? I had to I'm saying. I've really been
0: talking to the Lord. And you know, the Lord told me that, uh, um, it's time for me to branch out. And,
1: y- and y'all around here, at DNA, y'all ain't paying me enough. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm saying I'm, I got to go out and extend my ministry
0: and, 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 and really do all the fullness of what it is the Lord has called me to. So, Jay, take that stuff off the website and create a a, a shopping cart.
1: <laughs> ZI official <Fisho> ministries. <laughs> People can't access this stuff if they pay a membership fee. <laughs> I'm saying I'm gonna be stepping out a little more. I'm saying the Lord has called me to international ministry. Where you going? See, They're going to pay me $5,000 to come here. You got to be willing to say, hey, bro,
0: are you really just doing that for the money? And be able to call me like, hey, why everything you do, you got to sell it. Like, why can't nobody access you? Why the Lord only
1: speak to you when the church can meet a $5,000 minimum? That's when you show up and the Lord told me to come minister to this congregation and spread the word of the Lord and put the blessings in the power of the anointing because God has a prophetic word for his people. But this prophetic word is preceded by profitable dollars. <laughs> and you got to be willing to say, hey, bro, you, you wrong. You profane. You're a fornicator. <laughs> You're being driven by
0: your own lust and your desires. And tell me, you need to sit down somewhere. Because you're a fornicating Christian. and ain't no
1: such thing. be like, dude, I'm just trying to feed my family. But if you're driven by your lust and you're driven by your passion, you ain't serving God. You're serving self. And we need to watch out for these type of things in our miss that we don't allow people to grow up or anybody to get big to where their desires can trump the whole of the community and they're willing to sell themselves the precious things that they have just to satisfy a desire. And we got to expand this to all of life. Cause it's easy for us to say, well, somebody going out committing fornication, somebody going out committing adultery, somebody going out stealing, cheating, selling drugs. It's easy for us to pick up, oh, man, you're wrong in that. But when it comes down to the deep things and, and the sanctity of the community and the pimping of the gospel and the pimping of each each one another and ourselves. It's just pride. You know what I'm saying? that Edmund go out and he start doing his raps. If he say something that sounds familiar, like, bro, why ain't you ain't ho- holler? You know what I'm saying? Why ain't you ain't put me on? Like, what's your desire, man? <laughs> why I gotta mention
0: you in time I do anything?
1: You, you a fornicator? You can ask me that question. I'll be like, nah, bro. What you mean? You, you you tripping. no?" But we have to be willing to put each other in place. If it got to be known that I said it, maybe I got some of that Esau-ness in my heart. That's something that I'm willing to, to, to sell out just for recognition, just for fame or any of all that other stuff. But these are the things that we need to look out for. And we're going to Look at this picture how it comes to full. Then he goes to in 18 about because we're not coming to this mountain. And so what he's painting the picture is. is Just think about this. Now. If you was with Moses now.
0: And you can touch a rock and die. Do you think that's serious? I, I think that's pretty serious. God descending. And creating this whole special program to make sure that you
1: hear his voice. Do you think that's special? Like, not, that's, that's something that should be remembered. Like, that's something I just write home to our kids about. It. How likely would you take that moment? God has set up this whole time, going finna come visit me, and if I do wrong in this time, I could die. Like, how likely would you, would you be right? Like, oh man, this the third day. <laughs> I go over here do this little thing, Moses and them talking about God supposed to come and say something, and so
0: yeah, I see what he talking about. I don't think it'd be like that, especially the fact that the voice
1: speaking with such power that the person who talked to God all the time, he said, "I quake and tremble." Moses got a little scared
0: once God started speaking. The mountain. A vast mountain start to shake. So this is a scene that strikes
1: fear in everybody that's around. Lightnings and thunder and get to going on. And God's voice overruled the lightning and thunder and he's speaking and you hear trumpets sounding. Who was blowing
0: the trumpet? <laughs> so this is an amazing scene.
1: And this is something that seems like there's no other event like this in the history of mankind. We don't see nothing else like this recorded. Well, God come
0: and set a mountain on fire. Rock don't burn. You can't set it and you see God set a mountain on fire. He said it was smoking. This thing was amazing. But the writer of the Hebrews, he's like, you ain't just coming to no little regular rock.
1: you come coming to a heavenly one. And in verse 25, he draws to his conclusion of why he say that. He says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will not only shake the earth, but also the heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates that the removal of those things are being shaken as of things that are made, the things which cannot be shaken. So he's given us this picture that what we have is greater than what they have. That's why he talked about the blood of Jesus speak better things than that of the blood of Abel. That Moses transcends, I mean, that Jesus transcends Moses. Our mount transcends their mouth. Our assembly is greater than their assembly. So if they would die for transgression that moment, like, how shall we escape? And so he's giving us this picture of warning that we need to take this even more serious than they should have taken that moment. Because now it ain't Moses coming down to tell us to sanctify ourselves, but God himself have descended to come and sanctify us. Moses ain't sprinkling us with no little blood from a, from a, from a, a heifer. But God himself is sprinkling us with his own blood that he shed on our behalf. So what we have is greater than that we, what they had. So we need to take these moments to be more precious than what they had. And how was it that they were going to be sanctified? All they had to do was listen to who? listen to moses if they would have listened to moses they would have got all the full revelation of what god wanted them to have and that's why they said now if they died if they refused him who spoke on earth how much more shall we so the people that didn't listen to moses and went and touched the mountain they died the people that didn't listen to moses and didn't allow themselves to be sanctified they died Those who didn't listen to Moses and was not washed, was not clean, they died. And he said, if they died, who who disobeyed Moses? How much more shall we? So he's giving this picture that being a part of this kingdom, being a part of this general assembly, being a part of all these just men made perfect, this is something that's greater than any other thing that has taken place on the earth. And we cannot take this lightly. We don't trifle with the presence of God. We don't trifle with the church of God. It's not something, that you know I'm saying, is the really cool that we do. And we have a responsibility to look diligently unto the church of God, to make sure that don't nobody transgress. And I always have to think about this. Now, do you think, if you was in that moment with Moses and him standing at the mountain, and God got to speak, you think you would have paid attention to what he was saying? You think you would have been listening? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so too. How easily do you think you would have forgotten that moment? You see a mountain smoking. Cloud come down. A trumpet sound. Nobody
1: blowing the trumpet. It's like them clapping on vegetales. They ain't even got no hand. Who clapping? <laughs> I think be a, that will be a moment that you remember for all the rest of your existence. And it'll be something that you take heed to. And when Moses brought that moment back up a couple of times, he do it in Deuteronomy 4 and 5, I think in 6 too. He bring them back to that moment. And he said, y'all need to pay attention. Don't forget it. And he said, make sure you teach it to your children and to your children's children. So you take these things and you take this moment so seriously that you want everybody connected to you to know these things. You don't want this moment to fade away from your existence.
0: Even now, today, we teach children the Ten Commandments. You know when the Ten Commandments
1: were spoke? Once God came down on that mountain and spoke to them people. We continue in this tradition because these are things we're not supposed to forget. But what he's saying is what we're hearing now through the Spirit of God and the Son of God speaking to us in the revelation of Jesus Christ is greater than whatever Moses was telling them. So if they supposed to pay attention, if they should have put all diligence to make sure that their children knew everything that was going, even greater should we? Because if one of them little bad jokers would have ran off from their mama and their dad and touched that mountain, they would have died. I think as a parent, you would have took that real serious. And you probably grabbed hold to your little child. Been standing up scared in the mud, holding them by their neck. <laughs> you better not go nowhere. I don't care about it. You better sit down. To make sure that not now one of them transgressed the things that were given by Moses, Because it was just that serious. And what he's saying, in this new kingdom, this new assembly, is more serious than that that they experienced. So we need to be grabbing our children by by their neck right now. And say, hey, you don't play with this Jesus. You need to pay attention. You need to make sure you know. You need to make sure you understand. Because this Jesus stuff is a serious thing. Because if they die for touching a rock and transgressing against a rock, we are the very temple of God and God lives inside of us. How much more serious should we take this thing? Like I said, they die for ignoring Moses. God himself now in these last days are speaking to us through his son and his spirit within us in the revelation of his word through his apostles. How much more shall we be held accountable? So we're saying you need to make sure you take these things seriously so you look diligently you make sure you pay attention and imagine yourself being at that mountain when we in this assembly when we're part of this
0: faith because it was real and everyone be like man you know what i'm saying you know i'm an athlete i just gotta move so i'm gonna take a job you'd be like bro you been like go nowhere near that mountain You will make sure because if you cared about Edmund you won't want to see him die so nowadays if
1: we see Edmund he get a little answer like man I ain't sure about this the God stuff you know what I'm saying I've really been thinking about this stuff and I've been you be like bro you be like go go against this
0: word <laughs> I feel you but this is serious business and you can't transgress these things and you need to make sure that
1: you in line with that word bro because that's what they had to do in that thing. And he said, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, because God has spoken, once more he's gonna shake all the heavens. Just like he shook the mountain there. And what he's saying is once more, what he's picturing is that the God is going to do something so great and so brand new that everything that ain't fully established by him gonna be done away with. And he said, We're receiving the kingdom, we're a part of something that cannot be shaken. So when God come and shake and and quake and break the rest of the world down in fear, we can stand bold and we need to stand in gratitude and we stand in fear and we stand in reverence because we know our God is a consuming fire. So we don't take this thing lightly, but we stand sure because that we know we're on a solid rock of Christ Jesus that cannot be moved. We don't play with it. We look diligently about it and we make sure That those around us are in line with the things that are revealed. And so we look out for one another. We pay attention to one another. We provoke one another. We exhort one another. We admonish one another. We love one another. We rebuke one another. All of these things we do because we look out for the assembly of the whole. And we want everybody to not transgress this thing because we know God don't play. He's serious. Y'all understand what I'm saying? This thing is not something to be taken lightly. It's a reality that we have, and what we need to do is come together and be willing to be a people. But also, you know what I'm saying it's a lot of us shy folk off of in this thing, and we got to be willing to say, "Hey, bro, we don't play like that." That's old. Try to want to be gangster. Say, "Man, I play by a lot of things, but I don't play by Jesus." And if you're going to be in this body, you need to make sure that you don't play by this stuff either. And we have to be willing to say this stuff. And we have to be willing to to address and deal with certain issues that rise up because we don't want these things to corrupt the church because we have a responsibility to maintain and to make sure none of us fall short of the grace of God. Hey, y'all tracking with me? Anybody got any questions?